Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry's going to wind it down. Eight seconds. Top of the key dribble. The jumper's on the way. It's good! Curry with 2.1 to go! This is Warriors Roundtable. Brought to you by Michael's Dead Porsche, a proud sponsor of the Golden State Warriors. Now the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Cousins 2 for 11, but four fouls on each of the Warriors' three centers. Spades goes right by him, gets a dunk, left him nailed to the floor. Long rebound, nobody went after it. Curry gets it down the right side. Curry accelerates to the paint, to the bucket with a right hand. It was sweet off the window for Steph Curry. He's got 19, and the Warriors lead 82 to 69. That was part of the action last night in Sacramento, the Opening night for the Kings, and of course the Warriors there to start the season, and it was not pretty, but it was a win. Hi everybody, I'm Tim Roy. It's our first edition of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. NBA basketball is back in the Bay Area, and of course don't forget, the Warriors have opening night presented by City National Bank against the Los Angeles Lakers this Saturday, November 1st. You can get your guaranteed official tickets to this groundbreaking night at Warriors.com. Warriors and Lakers on Saturday night. So on our first show, we'll hear from the new head coach, Steve Kerr, about his opening night win and how the new offense is affecting the Golden State Warriors. We'll find out about how the Warriors are making the Bay Area an even better place to live. I'll answer some of your questions at Warriors Vox on Twitter. And then Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports comes by to break down the early season storylines in the NBA. And we're going to talk about the Bengals. That's right the Bengals, that all-girls band from the 1980s. That's coming your way here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. But first, we want to offer our congratulations to the San Francisco Giants, their third World Series title in five years. And what a great bunch to root for. A great example of how uh, team chemistry and team players can get the work done. So congratulations to the Giants on that. And have fun tomorrow at the Victory Parade. I'm Tim Roy for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We'll hear from the new head coach, Steve Kerr, when we come back here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry behind the back dribble, on the go. Great pass Ooh. to David Lee for a right-hand layup. A no-look over-the-shoulder pass by Steph Curry. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Michael Stead Porsche. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I'm Tim Roy, and it's a pleasure to welcome in the uh, new head coach of the Golden State Warriors. That is Steve Kerr, and you, sir, are undefeated. <laughs> Only 81 more. 81. Go 82-0, and 0 and you know, people will say, hey, he's doing a good job. <laughs> that, um, well, it feels good. feels good to be 1-0, that's for sure. It wasn't pretty, but it was uh, very productive game in a lot of ways um, our defense was terrific our rebounding wasn't uh, but once we started to uh, gang rebound in the second half um, ironically when we went small uh, that's that's when the game turned we, we were quicker to the ball we, we dug out the loose balls and then we were able to loosen up the game and get into the open floor you know, talking uh, with Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports is coming up later on in the hour on the show you know, he brought out the point, and it's a very valid point in the association, and that is that, you know, good teams win ugly games. You have to find a way to win those games. Yeah, you do. And, uh, 
fortunately for us, we've got a, a really versatile roster so that we can kind of mix and match depending on what's necessary from one game to the next. And and that was the case last night. I mean, that you know, Sacramento was bludgeoning us inside. I think Cousins drew nine fouls from our three centers in the first half alone. Uh, and, you know, he also sat in the lane for eight seconds at a time without being called for it. But, you know, that's uh, that's another issue. Wow, but, starting early in the season. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't, don't let uh, Adam Silver hear that comment. <laughs> Uh, but no, you know, Cousins is is a handful, and uh, when you got a guy like that um, to play against, it 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 really uh, can take the tempo and the pace uh, away from you, and that's what happened. And and uh, you know, we we kept fouling, so so they were shooting free throws, we, so we couldn't get into the open floor, we couldn't get a rebound, so you know, we couldn't couldn't fast break. Uh, so we were just out of whack, and then you know, by going small with Harrison at the four and Draymond at the five, uh, we switched everything. Uh, our speed and quickness uh, changed the the tempo, and and that that broke the game open. And so it's it's a huge luxury as a coach to be able to have um, that kind of versatility. Steve, as, as you you know, get through your first week as a head coach in this league, and 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 certainly in terms of playing real games, you've been a head coach now for. For months, but but uh, t- tell me how it's how is it going for you? Have you have you run into any surprises? Anything that maybe you thought, hmm, I didn't think that was going to be part of the job, but it is. Well, I learned something new each day, and um, you know, stuff just comes into my head, like, oh yeah, we need to we need a play for this situation, or. Uh, you know, we could have done this better, and uh, so each day, each day, I feel a little more prepared. Um, you know, I, I've tried to prepare for everything, but uh, there's plenty of stuff that comes up, uh, and so I'm. What I'm trying to do now is, is uh, you know, f- f- go through every possible situ- situation and scenario, and make sure our team is is ready for those cases, and especially now that we're done with camp and we're going to have games, you know, pretty much every other day. Uh, there's not a ton of practice time, so you spend more time uh, on situational uh, plays and circumstances, and that's that's kind of the next step for our team. Steve, when you talked about this roster, and you mentioned this another time about how fortunate you are to have that depth, you know, I thought, and, and just to give a little shout out, I thought last night, I thought Mo Spates is a great. Uh, indication of how deep this team is. You know, on a night where you couldn't keep your centers on the floor, you know, you go to Mo and and Mo gives you a great game. He was awesome, and I told him that last night. Uh, you know, in front of the team, uh, he was just so professional. Didn't play a lot in the preseason, and uh, you know, he was. We were trying to get a look at Coos and and Festus, and uh, you know, so all of a sudden Mo is needed, and he comes out and he's ready, and and it was an indication of how hard he's practiced too. The last two weeks his practice habits have been much better than they were the first couple weeks of camp and and it paid off and um, you know I think that's an example to all our guys of what we're looking at this year from one night to the next you just don't know it it could be yours it might be somebody else's night and and you just you got to keep working you got to keep keep plugging away and trust that you know we're all going to do this together and that in the end even though we have to sacrifice stats and minutes uh, it's going to work and we're going to have a, a lot of fun and a good team we're talking with the head coach steve kerr it's the warriors weekly roundtable our first show of the 2014-2015 season i tim roy and 
And, uh, Coach, as we, we look at your club offensively right now, last night obviously uh, not a great night for the offense, but how is the club adapting to this? And, and if you could describe a little bit of, of your, your thoughts in your offense philosophically. You mentioned you, you have some triangle. We see a little pinch post ac- action there, a little bit you know, of the Spurs side-to-side movement, and you said you even have a little Jerry Sloan in there. Yeah, we run a little Utah action, which is the old UCLA uh, high post, and you hit the wing and you cut off of him. Um, we ran it last night and got a dunk for, for Bogut because it's it's good action for us because uh, there's a lot of movement, and people are always going to chase Steph and Clay off screens, and that allows other people to open up. So we're still in the process of kind of figuring out you know our – our, what's best for us and what our, our system is really going to look like. Uh, last night we were out of whack. We were in a rush. I thought maybe we were a little nervous on opening night. Uh, we took some off-balance shots. Um, we had some that were open that we rushed, and as a result we never did click offensively. But uh, I don't mind that because uh, there are always going to be games like that, and you've got to find a way, and, and we found a way last night with our defense and our energy. How important was it when you were thinking about what to do with this team offensively, how to put your stamp on this, how important was it to have uh, David Lee and Andrew Bogut? And I think, you know, with the exception of maybe Noah and Pal Gasol in Chicago, uh, Lee and Bogut, in my mind, are the best passing 4-5 combination in the league, or at least in, among the top two or three. How important was it to you to to utilize their passing abilities? Because they're both good passers, and importantly, they're willing passers. Well, it's huge. I mean, everybody knows that the strength of our team is the the backcourt with Steph and Clay, uh, and so what that means is the, the defenses are going to game plan for Steph and Clay, and they're gonna they're gonna load up on those guys, and rather than just run you know, constant screen and roll or ISO stuff, if you get the bigs involved with their passing ability and the shooting of Steph and Clay, you've got all kinds of possibilities to open the floor up and run back doors and run cuts and splits. And it, first of all, it's a beautiful style of play, so it, it, it it's contagious and guys enjoy it. Uh, but secondly, it's really hard to guard. So when we're on and when we're we're clicking and those guys are passing from the elbows and our, our shooters are, are lighting it up, uh, we can score on anybody, but we've got to we've got to get to the point where we can do it, uh, even when we're not flowing perfectly, like last night, where you know the, the the pace isn't going our way. We still have to be able to execute, and that's that's a, a step that we've got to take now. Starting Harrison Barnes, and I think one of the things that you can you can accomplish with that is the guy I call your Swiss Army knife, and that is Andre Iguodala. You know, he can do so many different things for you. Uh, you know, how is he adapting to, to that and the mentality of coming off the bench? Because, you, as you know, there are certain guys that can really do that well, and other guys, it's, it's hard for them to get into that zone. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure Andre's not real happy about it, but, but he's handled it beautifully. I mean, he's, uh, I've talked to him several times about it. Uh, he's told me we're on the same page. He understands uh, we're a better team when he comes off the bench and, and handles the ball and, and, and runs our, our second unit. Uh, and I plan on closing games with him as well, where he's handling the ball with Steph and Clay and getting them shots. Uh, but it's a new role for him. He started every single game of his career until last night, and that's not easy. Uh, guy's been an all-star, an Olympian. Uh, he's a big-time player, and so for him to 
take a step back and make that sacrifice. It's a great example to our team uh, of, of what we're trying to do this year uh, in ter- te- terms of putting the team ahead of ourselves. Uh, but it also is just the right thing for us as, as, as a group. We're, we're better uh, with him off the bench and Harrison starting, so we'll, we'll continue to do that. 807 games in Andre's career as a starter before uh, last night. And, and certainly you know, he gives you s- such a different dimension, even when you went small. You could put him out there with Draymond and and even Clay Thompson and and uh, even Justin Holiday. You, you guys can switch all over the place because all all those guys are approximately the same size. Yeah, that was the key last night uh, when we did go small was the defense, and I thought Andre spearheaded everything. He's an amazing defender. He's uh, I knew he was a smart player before I got here, but having seen him now the last month, uh, he's one of the smartest players in the league at, at both ends of the floor. And so when he's uh, part of that small unit defensively and switching and causing havoc, uh, it's very disruptive. And, uh, yeah, I thought his defense really was the key to breaking the game open last night. Sean Livingston even gave you some time. And, and uh, is, is he kind of on a, a, a limit as to how many minutes you can play him? Well, I told everybody he wasn't going to play in the opener, and I didn't, I didn't think he would uh, until – you know, a, a little before the game, I heard Bogut might not play. We were down a man uh, already with Lee, and I went to him. I said, hey, can you give us a couple minutes? He said, sure. And uh, we just needed to give Steph a rest at the end of the third, early fourth, and, and uh, I wanted to make sure that we were settled. And uh, Sean, that's one thing Sean will do is he'll take control of the game as a point guard and get you settled down. He's not going to turn it over and get you into your offense. And uh, so that's uh, that's another move now that we have to consider. Um, the combinations do change. We'll we'll play Sean some more, uh, but that means we have to figure out what are the what are the best uh, rotations and and uh, what are the best play sets uh, to run while Sean's on the floor. I guess that's why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> I guess you so. Figure all that that's out. That's right. Uh, the 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 rotation, obviously. I mean, that's going to change night to night. You're so deep, you can, you can adapt to different teams and 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 uh, and different combinations. But do you go into a game having a pretty good idea of how you want to play it? Uh, yes, but um, you know. Best best laid plans of mice and men, right? I mean, you just you have no yeah. idea. I mean, you, you think you do, and you go in, and then all of a sudden somebody gets in foul trouble, somebody gets hurt, and you know that's you know we went into last night's game with this great rotational plan, and it was uh, it was completely altered as soon as we got bogged down and we decided to go small. We had considered it before the game, but I thought the guy we were going to take out would be Mo Spates at the four. Uh, and maybe put Harrison at the four for Mo. And what we ended up doing was putting Mo at the five, uh, and Harrison at the four. Mo was playing so well, we decided to keep him out there. And uh, so you just you just go by feel and instinct. And and you know, fortunately for me, I've got Alvin and Ron next to me. They've been doing this forever, uh, so they can help me with those decisions. And uh, I thought last night we uh, we found the right combination at the right time, and and uh, the guys were. Just awesome, and the the energy and the the the, uh, the defense really was terrific, and they the, the effort was there, and they uh, they deserved to win that game. Head coach Steve Kerr with me. I Tim Roy of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Just a couple of quick questions, coach, before we let you go. And and uh, have you had any time to? And you've been here so many times before, but have you had any time to explore the Bay Area at all? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've. Uh, I've been all over the place. I, I, I go into the city quite a bit. I've been to a, f- a few Giants games. I went to uh, 
game four the other night, uh, which was fantastic. And congratulations to the Giants, by the way. Third world title in five years. That's incredible. Uh, what a no what question. a time to be a, a Bay Area sports fan. Hopefully we can uh, we can get on a, a little roll here ourselves. But uh, I love it up here. It's it's beautiful. There's so many interesting areas, interesting people, and um, I am absolutely thrilled to to live in this area. Now it's incredible. You and your wife had decided to give back to the University of Arizona. You gave a million dollars to the U of A to help uh, their student athletes down there. Why was that uh, such an important decision for you? Well, for me, that's um, that's where I got my career started. Without my experience at U of A, um, you know, none of this happens for me. Playing in the NBA, coaching, broadcasting, none of it. So, uh, I felt it was important to give back and to give you know some of the future student athletes the same opportunities I had. And and as as I told my daughter, who's a volleyball player at Cal, I've got we got to we got to keep the Wildcats ahead of the Bears and the Cardinal and the Bruins and everybody else in this conference. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like that very much. No, I, I would imagine not. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that, that's great though because that's a, you know we all have uh, influences and times in our lives that have that have uh, basically set us up for what has happened later in our life. And that's great that you gave back to that. Well, and I'll say this, uh, Tim, I mean, I feel incredibly lucky to, um, to be able to do it, you know, to, to, to make, uh, the kind of living that allows me to, uh, to live the way I can and to be able to contribute uh, to something like this. Uh, it's beyond really anything I could have dreamt of growing up to, to, to make a career, um, in basketball as a player, coach, broadcaster, and to make a tremendous living. I mean, it's, uh, it's fantasy land. It really is. And, um, so it's very nice for my wife and and me to be able to, uh, to do this in the first place. Hey, enjoyed the the conversation. Congratulations on win number one. Best of luck Saturday when the Warriors, the home opener, going to be a great night as they entertain the Lakers. Thanks, Tim. Well, that's head coach Steve Kerr. Don't forget the rivalry continues next Wednesday, November 5th, when Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Warriors take on Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and the L.A. Clippers. It's presented by PlayStation, but come on out and see it for yourself. Get your guaranteed official tickets at warriors.com. I'm Tim Roy, and in our next segment on this first edition of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, we hear from the Hall of Famer Mitch Richmond as the Warriors have dedicated basketball courts in Richmond with Mitch's name on them. You'll find out about that as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Thompson waiting, 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 throws to Iguodala, takes a corner jumper for the win, got it! Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry gets space, finding a dowel. He'll turn, fire at the horn. Got it! Andre! Andre nailed the three at the buzzer. He did it again! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Turner Eye Institute and Dr. Craig Patel, the LASIK and laser-assisted cataract surgery specialist. Not only during the season, but throughout the year, the Golden State Warriors continue to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, and we continue here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Over the summer, I attended the unveiling of the Sharunas Marshallonas Basketball Courts in Oakland as the newest Hall of Famer was on hand to help with the unveiling. The Warriors continued in Hall of Fame mode on Monday, October 20th. 
and former Golden State Warriors guard and Hall of Fame inductee Mitch Richmond teamed up with the Warriors Community Foundation, the California Endowment, and Good Tidings Foundation to unveil two newly refurbished basketball courts at Martin Luther King Jr. Park in Richmond, California. Also on hand were 50 kids from the Richmond College Prep and the Richmond Police Activities Leagues for a Warriors Community Basketball Clinic located right on those new courts. It's just another effort for the Golden State Warriors to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. It doesn't get any better than Mitch Richmond in Richmond at this park. So let's bring up the Hall of Famer. Uh, growing up, uh, I never n- never thought any of this would happen. Uh, but one thing I did know that um, what kept me off the streets was was playing sports. Uh, it kept me motivated, kept me dedicated. Along those lines, as I was growing up, it builds character. And not only build character, it shows you how to be a great teammate. It shows you how to work with others. Uh, it also shows you how to get along with other nationalities. Uh, everyone becomes a family when you're trying to win something or when you're trying to play something or, or when you're trying to go for one goal or winning the championship, winning your high school uh, championship, whatever that may be. Uh, basketball was my my everything, to tell you the truth. Mitch Richmond. Oh, what a move. You set the goal when you grow up and you try to do something good that you come back and try to build Richmond uh, to be the best it possibly can. Uh, I'm just so happy uh, for the Golden State Warriors to uh, put this in uh, a, a basketball court in my name, and I'm I'm looking forward to coming to playing here one day. I mean, I hope that's soon because I'm, I'm I'm stopped playing. I'm, I don't stop playing for a while, but I really appreciate this, and I want to thank you guys for being here. Uh, and I will be around, you know, to take pictures and uh, give some autographs. So I appreciate it, and uh, let's have a wonderful day in Richmond. I uh, never thunk it that I have a, a basketball court named after me. Golden State Warriors basketball. Knocked away by Bogan. He says, not tonight, not on my watch. Bogan just said, no, 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 no. Just gobbled it up. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Michael Stan Porsche. Hi, Tim. We continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And a reminder, the rivalry continues next Wednesday, November 5th with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Warriors take on Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and the Los Angeles Clippers. It's presented by PlayStation. And see it for yourself. Get your guaranteed official tickets at Warriors.com. You want to come out and see the Warriors and the Clippers. You never know what's going to happen when these two Western Conference rivals get together. Time out to go to our fan section. It's at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X on Twitter, where we answer your questions. We will start with Lemire on sports, who wants to know, does Barnes improve or slash regress, even if he has to be a part of the second unit once Livingston gets healthy and Andre Iguodala starts again? Well, you know, I think you're kind of assuming that that's going to happen. You know, it really depends on how the Warriors play, how Iguodala is accepting the role with that second unit, and how Harrison Barnes 
fits in with the starting five. Now, last night in the Sacramento, Harrison, like just about everybody else, got off to a very slow start. But once he had that dunk, it got him energized. He started being more active, started hitting the glass better, had a couple of very tough uh, defensive rebounds, and Harrison did a really nice job. So I think... That situation is also going to be fluid when you consider the bumps and bruises of the season. I think you might see Andre Iguodala start. You might see Harrison Barnes start. I think it really depends on the matchup, the health of the team, and just how the first and second units are clicking together. Now, obviously, the Barnes-Igadawa situation has been discussed throughout the preseason once head coach Steve Kerr noted that he was going to start Harrison Barnes. So we went to Harrison and asked him about his opinion, whether or not he likes coming off the bench or whether he really wants to start. Honestly, I'm just I'm just trying to just take strides every day. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's preseason, so I'm not, I'm not putting a lot of stock into that. I'm just trying to go out there, trying to develop a system, whether it's with the second unit, the first unit, the third unit, whoever it's with. Our next question comes from Brian Queen, who wants to know about the new offense for Golden State. Obviously, it did not look very good last night in Sacramento. Are the players adapting to that? Well, let's talk to one of the co-captains of this year's squad, and that is Warriors guard Steph Curry. There's not a lot of difference. We like to play up-tempo like we did last year. We, we have pretty much the same core of guys. We've added... Some key pieces, obviously, with Sean Livingston, Leandro Barbosa, and hopefully get Festus Ely back healthy. But minor tweaks of just how we get into our offense and featuring you know, Andrew Bogan and David Lee in the post. And Lewis E. wants to know on Twitter, how are team captains chosen in the NBA? Well, team captain is a position of leadership and responsibility. It's not always the two best players on the team, or three. There might be tri-captains, or one. There might be just a single captain. But in the Warriors' case, it is co-captains. But you pick players that are going to lead the team. You pick guys that are going to come to practice, work hard every day, put in the good effort, act in a very professional manner. Now, some teams will have the players vote for their captains or captain. Other teams will have the coach selected. Steve Kerr selected his co-captains before the season opener in Sacramento. And this year, he went with Warriors guard Steph Curry and, of course, Warriors swingman Andre Iguodala. And I think they're two very good choices, two very good professional guys that care a lot about their effort and their work. I hope that answered your question, Louis E. I'm Tim Roy, and we continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Coming up next, Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports to talk all things NBA, and we're also going to drift into the fabulous category of 1980s music. You can follow me on Twitter at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVox, and I'll try to answer as many questions as I can. A reminder, Warrior fans, you have three ways to beat L.A. You can come to opening night versus the Lakers on Saturday. You can see them face their rival, the L.A. Clippers, on Wednesday, November 5th, or... You can catch both, plus the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. It's the opening night four-pack, four very good games. And find your way to beat L.A. at Warriors.com. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports when we come back on KBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand, rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable, presented by Michael Stead Porsche. Well, it's great to have the NBA season back. Everybody's been waiting. So much anticipation. Now we're into the first full week. Mark Spears 
of Yahoo Sports, always a friend of Warriors Radio, comes by to chat with us. And, and uh, Mark, I got to tell you, it, it, it's you know the the exhibition month for Golden State was a little bit long. They were on the road a lot and and uh, didn't really get back into Oakland until the, the a week ago. And it's just so great to have regular season basketball here because I think this year, with LeBron moving to Cleveland, the West still being the West, even though Durant is out to start the year, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered this year, and I think we're going to find out a lot in the first couple of months. Yeah, you know, I was uh, with the Lakers open at night and saw the Rockets and saw, uh, I guess, a Lakers team as far from what it used to be or what we're accustomed to them being, and that's one of the questions that you could you talk about. You know, what is Kobe Bryant going to be? And I think he's going to be a fantastic player this season and, and be not quite his old self, maybe athletically, but still uh, really challenging to deal with uh, encounter. But he just doesn't have the weapons that he has before had before. You know, another question mark, Russell Westbrook had a great, great first game offensively, but my fear is, and, and people probably would have been shocked that I ranked in the 20th opening the season, and it's because, you know, I, I know Russ is going to be great, but who else is there for him? Who is the number two? Who, who, there's no one there that could fill Kevin Durant's shoes. So I think, you know, Russ is going to have to figure out how to be more of a facilitator than the score, so I'm watching that. Obviously, you know, LeBron's back and Derrick Rose in, in Cleveland and Derrick Rose is back just playing and I mean there's just so many storylines and every year we say oh man this year is so many more storylines than than any season else but I I think this season is truly one you know different Miami we could go on and on this is this is uh I think as intriguing as a season going into it as we've seen in years yeah no question and I think it's very exciting because you have uh, you know a team in the East, Miami, that went from being uh, you know every year a chance to win the title to now they're in a different mode. They have to find a way back to the top. You have San Antonio, who keeps astounding us all year after year. They're the template for a modern sports franchise, and and but now you know the Clippers and Warriors, who have been down for so long, you know they're knocking on the door. You know they want to get in. I I just think it's a very Exciting time. Well, let's go to the East and talk about Derrick Rose for a moment. And uh, to me, if I watch the Bulls play at home, the Bulls fans are reacting in a way the Warrior fans were reacting a couple of years ago with Steph Curry. And I think every time Derrick Rose goes down, that entire Chicago area is going to hold their breath until he gets back up on his feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it was like that uh, in Chicago. I was there when, you know, Derrick Rose played his first game in Chicago at USA Basketball, and any time he fumbled or did something or looked like he was going to fall, I mean, you'd hear a gasp. And it's probably going to be that way all season. I think now Warriors fans have gotten to the point where, and, and I don't know if you saw this in the first game, like Steph tripped over one of the TV guys on the baseline. Correct. Yeah, he went. And, he went in and, and fell over the cameraman. Yeah, and a year ago, two years ago, everybody had been like super nervous about it, and, uh, but now it appears like those ankle problems are a thing of the past. Of hope for his sake and the Warriors' sake, that such is the case. But with Derek, I mean, even as bad as Steph's situation was, I mean, Derek's situation is 
been ongoing for a couple of years. And, um, you know, I wonder how he's going to fare the whole season, if he's going to be able to hold up and, you know, what the deal is. But um, I, I think that if he can be healthy, this Chicago Bulls team is is legitimate threat to beat the Cavaliers, you know, or, or win the Eastern Conference. It won't be a given, but to me, they're the only team I could see perhaps pushing Cleveland out of the way and making it to the final. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I look at Cleveland, and I think they're really good, but I don't know if they're, say, as good as San Antonio. I don't know where yeah. they rank with a healthy Oklahoma City and the Clippers yeah. and the Warriors. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, th- there's going to be some growing pains. I covered the Warriors um, when they won the champ, not the Warriors, the uh, Celtics when they won the championship in 2008. And I remember Ray Allen saying that it took till about March for the whole team to be on the same page. And I think such will be the case there. You know, this situation to me is, in a lot of ways is similar to the Cleveland situation or, or, or the Celtics to the Cleveland situation because you know, I, I think in Miami, you had a guy like Bosch who was willing to take the third fiddle. I was okay with that. You had a guy in Dwayne Wade who physically maybe was taking a step backwards. So it was easy to put him in line one, two, three. It wasn't so easy in Boston. Um, cause you're, you're talking about three alpha dogs in their prime used to being the number one, used to being the guy. KG had the mentality to be able to do that, you know, to, to just fit in. Ray somehow amazingly decided to be the third fiddle. And even with the media, I mean, Paul and KG at home games in Boston, they would talk right after the game, whereas Ray would wait and talk in the locker room. Um, so I don't know that he loved being the third guy, but he, he, was, he took it, you know. Who's the third guy in, in Cleveland? We know who the number one guy is, but I can't see Kyrie just saying, nah, I'll be, I'm going to be third fill and pass, pass, pass. I can't see Kevin Love just dropping to third. That it certainly is going to be some you know, questions of chemistry. There's no, to me, real point guard on this roster. Kyrie, to me, is more of a guard, a great guard, an elite all-star guard. I don't see him as a point guard. So... Um, they might have, of the big threes, uh, whether it's San Antonio, Boston, or Miami, this Cleveland team might have the hardest hardest road to figure out how to be on the same page and how to adapt to one another. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, always with great insight on the NBA. I want to talk about two of my intriguing teams in the league, teams I'm really curious to see how they come out and play. And well, and one is in the East, the Washington Wizards. And, and I, I really like, I think John Wall really is starting to get it. You know, he, he just seems to get better and better each year. I think he get, gets more of a feel for how to use his skill to his best advantage. Uh, they pick up Paul Pierce. That's got to be a, a big plus inside that locker room. Uh, how do you think the Wizards are going to be? Uh, once Bradley Beal gets back, they're going to be great too. Maybe a, a challenger for the East Crown. I also think Paul Pierce adds a level of, of 
swag, uh, anger, uh, uh, a fight, uh, experience. I love that addition. I think they need that addition. Trevor Reza certainly was great for them, but, but they needed that old veteran guy who could, you know, they could feel like they could walk into any bar and, and come out of a fight victorious. And, you know, Paul isn't scared of anybody. You saw that as he, he was already messing with Joe Kim Noah in the preseason. I almost think about like Paul does that in purpose. Paul Pierce is the only guy I've ever seen confidently talk trash to Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant may not go at him back as hard. You know, um, that's just what Paul is, and I, and I definitely think Washington needed that, needs that. But another problem for Washington is health. They got to stay healthy in order to be that kind of team that you project them to be. It's interesting. that Again, I, I think you're, you're right. I love uh, Gortat. I like his energy and his size. He's a great screen setter. Uh, now I'm going to flip it over to the West, an intriguing team to me, because I love the Unibrow's game. And the, uh, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the Pelicans, because I think you know Ashik is going to free him up uh, I think in a way, not necessarily in terms of scoring, but just in terms of the, being able to play at the four, uh, much like what Lopez did for Aldridge in Portland. Yeah, and you saw from their first game, I mean, Anthony Davis had this r- ridiculous numbers, 19, 17, and nine blocks? Come on, man. Come on. Really? I know, nine, nine blocks. blocks. Nine! 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 <laughs> Nine blocks. Some guys go a whole season and don't have nine blocks. He had that in one game. Um, I think the, the acquisition of him was great, but I think the key for the Pelicans, and there's a lot of pressure in New Orleans. They expect them to make the playoffs. There's pressure on management. There's pressure on their coach. Because remember, you know, you got an owner who is used to some success of late with the Saints, and these aren't the guys that he hired. So I think now uh, they feel like, okay, we've evaluated you guys enough. We've, we've spent the money. We've given you the talent. It's time to make the playoffs. So I think there's a lot of pressure all around. And uh, Monty, to me, I think the key is you got all these horses. Run. you got to run. you got to get Anthony Davis up and down the floor. I don't think he's that good in a half-court set. His jumper, to me, still has a lot to be desired. He doesn't really have a lot of post moves. But if you could get him running and dunking, get Eric Gordon running and shooting threes and uh, Tyreek Evans making layups, and, uh, I, I think they, they could be a really fun, dangerous team capable of making the playoffs. But if they don't make the playoffs with the ex- uh, expectations now where they are and uh, the Big Easy, I, I think they can make big changes. Well, no question. I, I think uh, if you look at the, getting those, and I think the guys who could really benefit as well as Davis from from running, are the two guys you mentioned, Gordon and Evans, because I think sometimes they they just have trouble in the in the half court, you know, getting easy shots. And I think getting them out, getting them easy shots would would help a lot. Before I ask you a couple of final questions, and we're talking with Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, Warriors and Lakers. The opening night is on Saturday night, seven o'clock. The pregame show here on KBR uh, 680. I just, it just, it still blows my mind to use the old uh, expression. 
to go back and look at the Indiana Pacers after the first of the year, and you could make a case at that point that they might have been the best team in basketball playing that way, and now here we are, not even a year later, and everything has changed there. It's unbelievable. It's it's sad, right? I mean, you uh, you would think that this was a team that was supposed to challenge. In fact, had that team uh, been intact the same that it was at the end of the season, I probably would have them ahead of Cleveland right now. But mm-hmm. it's certainly yep. different. Stevenson left. Um, I think, in a way, he might have left because he knew he would never be the face of the franchise in Indiana with Paul George, with David West, you know, with Roy Hibbert. The, the, the Hornets franchise is now him, and he's a big Michael Jordan fan as a kid, and he's a big uh, Patrick Ewan fan as a kid in New York. So those two guys certainly convinced, helped convince him to come, actually take less money to go there. The thing with Paul, I actually saw the Pacers in the preseason and talked to their coach for a while. They want Paul to come back. Whether they're going to make the playoffs or not, they want Paul to come back and try to get some games in late in the season. And um, so I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. And it would be interesting to see if Indiana could just kind of stay in the playoff mix. They're in the Eastern Conference. It's possible to stay in the playoff mix, keep their head above water, hope that they could get a jolt from Paul George at the end of the season. And if Paul comes back, they're certainly a team you do not want to play. If you're a one, two, or three seed, you don't want them in the first round. But that's possible. I actually broke my leg at Andrew Hill High School in San Jose my sophomore year. I had a stretch fracture that wasn't fully healed. Came back and played and broke my leg. And it was in January. I came back and played the next season. Now, we're talking... Uh, Mid eighties. I don't. I'm not going to give a specific date, but uh, <laughs> I actually came back with not the best insurance in the world, and nothing compared to what Paul George had, and played the next season. So, based on my uh, elementary doctor mentality, from my injury, I wouldn't be surprised to see Paul like right after All Star break. I really wouldn't. Um, I know it looked gruesome, but it was a clean break, and I think he'll be fine. And um, he's already walking around shooting a little bit. So it's kind of keep your eye on the Pacers. I, everybody feels bad for them, but they're still a team you got to show up against. They won their opener. They're, they're gritty inside. I think they're going to figure out a way with all the veterans to win some games and, and try to uh, you know make it interesting when Paul comes back. No doubt about that. So I guess what well, if you're talking about, uh, let me see here, mid-'80s, so you probably were listening to maybe uh, Eye of the Tiger or <laughs> maybe some Men at Work, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always laugh. You know, I'm a big hip-hop and R&B fan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Rick James was pretty much starting up when I was coming up as a kid. So we used to. It was funny if if you and I, if you ask any young or any black person in their late thirties, or early forties, you know they know the Bangles, they know Cindy Lauper, <laughs> they know the best shows, right? Because while watching MTV, waiting for the Prince and the Michael Jackson and the uh, Whitney Houston video, 
we had to hear vacation us whatever wanted. So you had to hear those kind of songs. So if you play those kind of songs around some some black folks from the late 30s, early 40s, they know all the words. White Wedding. Like, I know the words of White Wedding and all that. You wouldn't think that. I'd pay cash money to have you sing White Wedding. (laughs) Yeah. It's a nice day for a white wedding. It's a nice day to start again. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. You know, girls just want to have fun. Like, I knew all those songs. We're not the fortunate ones. And girls, they want to have fun. Because I was waiting for the Michael Jackson video to come on. <laughs> yeah, or or Rick James, Super Freak. That was an early video, too. Was... You know, I, I'll tell this one story, and my mom will probably hate this story. Can I tell one more story? Sure, absolutely. When I was in junior high, my dad goes to a Rick James concert. Right, I think it was in Oakland. You know, I'm growing up in San Jose, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, give me something for the Rick James concert. So my dad brings me back a T-shirt that says Super Freak on it. Right? <laughs> I'm in the seventh grade. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I don't know what Super Freak means. I just know my dad got me a T-shirt from the Rick James concert. <laughs> of course. And, and it's to be cool. So, uh, of course, I wore the T-shirt to school the next day. My mom, devout Christian, is just, like, floored by this, just embarrassed, just mad. But my dad gave me the shirt, so she can't tell me not to wear it. You know what I mean? Of course. So wear this to school. All the cool kids think it's the coolest T-shirt ever. I'm, like, the hippest kid in school that day. Uh, I, I put the shirt in a dirty clothes hamper, and about a week later, I wanted to wear it to school again, and I couldn't find the shirt. And my, I asked my mom, I'm like, Mom, Mom, you know, you wash all the clothes. You know what happened to the shirt? I don't know, son. That's the first time my mom ever lied to me, man. <laughs> my mom she threw couldn't away help my herself. Rick James. She threw away my Rick James uh, oh. T-shirt, man. She didn't oh. want her son to have a T-shirt on that said Super Freak. <laughs> oh, man. She couldn't help herself, you know? She couldn't help herself. <laughs> I don't blame her. She's- <laughs> I don't know what my dad was thinking. I wouldn't want my son wearing that, but <laughs> you know what? Dad, dad was just trying to to be. A, he was just trying to be a dad. He wanted you to have that cool feeling, and he he just yeah. yeah he just it said, was okay. innocent. It was an innocent, cool T shirt to have, but mom, you know, mom, mom didn't like that. Mom saw right through it. So, hey, as we wrap it up, it's always fun to <laughs> to, uh, to talk. Uh, 80s music with you and and the uh, NBA. Oh, we always uh, fall in a different direction, right? We don't, you know. No, we can't. We can't. It's never just course. about basketball. No, you know? it's always it's always about life. You know, it's yeah. always about life. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Warriors. You know, I I think to me, and I've been this is my 20th year with the Warriors. It's the most talented roster that I've been around, and even going back with my six years with the Kings. Uh, this is as talented and as deep a roster that I've ever seen up close. You know, I, I probably surprised some people, but I've actually predicted that the Warriors will win the championship. Wow. And, um, 40, 40 yeah, years after the first West Coast championship. Yeah, and I just, 
No, I'm you know me. I'm kind of unorthodox. I don't just pick who everybody thinks is gonna gonna win. But I, I really think this team has a chance. I mean, they have an amazing starting five with an all-star backcourt that's better than any other backcourt in the league. Bogut, as we saw in the opener, I mean, he's going to give people fits defensively. He just needs to be healthy. DeMarcus Cousins doesn't like playing against him. You know, and DeMarcus is a great player, but not only do you have him, you have Festus, who's equally huge, coming in. And everybody's in this stretch four, small ball thing like that. You have two giants at the center position beating you up. That takes its toll. So the, I know the Warriors, if they're healthy, they're going to win the rebounding battle a lot of nights because of those two big guys and you know, and David Lee. And I do think David Lee is underrated, really good offensive player. If Harrison Barnes is your fourth or fifth option offensively, it's pretty good. And then to have a bench, like I know Warriors fans don't know Sean Livingston well yet, but Sean Livingston could start for a lot of teams. Iguodala is going to be sixth man of the year. Um, Draymond Green is one of the most underrated and underappreciated, not in the Bay, but players in the league. We we know what he is here, but outside of the Bay, people don't know. Great, one of the greatest role players I've ever seen. Um, I just really, really like this team from top to bottom. I like their depth now. You know, adding guys like Rush and Barbosa. Um, even in, and I didn't think Kuzmic would be much of a player, but at least he could spell. For a couple minutes, that's the key. And, and you know, most Bates look good. Got a lot of talent, one to fifteen, and uh, that to me in, it, it, it was something that was lacking last year. Having the depth and also the health, this team was one win away from beating the Clippers without Azili and without obviously Bogut. So, what can they do healthy? What could they do with these additions? What could they do? I mean, the question, obviously, is a new coach and how they adapt, but he has great, great assistance there. I really think this team has a shot of winning winning it all. And and I don't say that in jest. I don't say that just to throw something out there and be cute. I really think this team has a chance to be special. I agree. I think it's really uh, a chance to – put a real imprint on the NBA this year, and I think, I, t- I said this in the summer, I think we're at the beginning of what's going to be a, a long run and maybe one of the great runs in the franchise history. Uh, Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, always great catching up with you. W- will we see you uh, Saturday? You will see me Saturday. I uh, look forward to see how uh, – uh, I was going to ask you, I don't know when the last time the Lakers in the, opened in Oakland, but uh, – I know Laker faithful will be there. The Warriors fans will be there. It'll be exciting, and I always enjoy those Lakers uh, Warriors games. Always, uh, always fun, my friend. All right, brother. Talk to you guys soon. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports talking NBA and 1980s music. Don't forget opening night presented by City National Bank. Celebrate the Warriors opening night as they face the Lakers this Saturday, November 1st. Get your guaranteed official tickets to this groundbreaking night at warriors.com. Back to wrap up tonight's show, our first one of the year in the 2014-2015 season. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two. Runner, right hand flip on the rim and down. Draymond Green. 
We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Michael Stan Porsche. We are going to wrap up the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, our first show. It's gone so quickly. We hope you've enjoyed it. But first, a look at the upcoming broadcast brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Saturday opening night presented by City National Bank. Warriors take out the Lakers 7 o'clock with a pregame show on KMBR 680. And the Lakers coming to town, you know that means the arrival of the Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant. Vasquez, top of the key, Eric Gordon guarded by Kobe. Kobe pokes it away, steals it. Bryant on a breakaway. Gordon on his heels. Bryant lays it up and in. And a foul. Kobe Bryant with a super play right when they needed it. 25 in the game for Bryant. He'll go to the line with a chance to make it 26. Warriors and Lakers Saturday night. Come on out and watch opening night. Right after the game, the Warriors will leave and fly to Portland because there's nothing more dangerous for the Golden State Warriors is to play an opposing team that has a point guard from Oakland. In this case, the Portland Trailblazers. The point guard, Damian Lillard. Batum to inbound far side. He can't move. Throws to Lillard. Lillard defended by G. Game five seconds. No pick being set. Lillard now dancing. A long three for the win. Got it! At the buzzer! He did it again! Damian Lillard with ice water in his veins. Drains a three-pointer. A career-high eight three-pointer made. And the Blazers walk off the court a winner again in dramatic fashion. Portland 119, Cleveland 116. Warriors and Blazers Sunday night, 5.30 is the airtime on KMBR 1050. We're on 1050 on Sunday with a 6 o'clock tip up in Portland. Warriors come back home to face another Western power. Oh, yes. It's the L.A. Clippers, the team the Warriors love to hate. 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, on November the 5th, the Warriors and the always likable Blake Griffin. Chris goes to work, down the lane. Floater kicks it inside to Griffin, punches it into the face of Fareed. And a poster coming soon. Oh, my goodness. And Fareed needs a toothpick to pick out the leather from his teeth. Golden State and the L.A. Clippers, Wednesday, November 5th, 7 o'clock, the airtime on KMBR 680. That game is presented by PlayStation. Thursday, November 6th, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable back on the air right here on KMBR 680. 8 o'clock is going to be our start time next week. Purchase tickets online at warriors.com, or you can call that number. You know it, 888-GSW-HOOP. That's 888-GSW-HOOP. So a busy Week of action for the Golden State Warriors facing two Pacific Division rivals, the Lakers and Clippers, sandwiched around Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. I'm Tim Roy, and that's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable here on KBR 680. Thanking the head coach, Steve Kerr. Also want to thank Mark Spears, a friend of Warriors Radio. Of course, he writes for Yahoo Sports. For producer R.C. Davis, for David Feldhouse at the controls, don't forget Ray Woodson taking your calls and comments about the Giants and the Warriors. That's coming your way next at 808 KBR. I'm Tim Roy saying good night. We'll talk to you Saturday from Oracle. Opening night brought to you by City National Bank, Warriors and Lakers here on KBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala, right to Clay Thompson, back to Iguodala, one dribble goes to the rim, and he scores with the right hand. 
Listen to a recording of any Warriors roundtable at warriors.com slash audio or on your phone via the Warriors app. Available for iPhone and Android devices.